Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Hey everybody, Steve Green here, the Make the Grade podcast. You know why we're here? Very simple. To provide you, the listeners, the audience, with actions, strategies, plans to help you accelerate your journey to success. And you are going to love my guest today. I love him for two reasons. First of all, he's written an excellent book. Really good book. I'm going to talk about it called The Dream Job Discovery. And secondly, his last name is the same as my first name. Imagine that. It took me 170-something episodes to make that work. I've had other Stevens on, which is, of course, the best first name. And uh, But Ken Steven is our guest today from the Northlands of Canada. Correct, Ken? Yeah, that's right. Way up north. So, yeah, there we go. Way up north from me. I'm in north, northeast U.S., but not north-north. Anyway, Ken, welcome. How you how you doing? How are you feeling today? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Let me just tell the world about you a little bit. Ken is an entrepreneur, consultant, author, speaker, coach, and former marketing and advertising executive for Fortune 500 countries, countries, companies. Sorry, got a little cold today. He envisions a world where everyone eagerly embraces their work, feeling passionate and purpose-driven by what they do. It is not only his passion, but his life's purpose to help at least 1 million people get unstuck from a job they don't enjoy and discover one that fuels their passion and inspires their purpose. That is a very ambitious goal, Ken. It is very ambitious. Um, one person at a time. One, yeah. That's how we'll get there. One person at a time. We're going to eat the elephant one bite at a time. I mean, Ken's not the youngest guy I ever met, but uh, he'll get there. I'm confident. He's, got, he's getting there. But I'll tell you, this book, is, I'm telling you, I'm going to keep referring back to it. Uh, he spent most of his career in jobs he disliked. Okay, He was chasing opportunities for bigger paychecks, better lifestyle. He became so miserable, he couldn't even enjoy his earnings. He desperately wanted to find a job he could feel deeply passionate about. He really didn't know how to do it. Hmm, it's no how-to, right? It's like raising kids, right? Nobody yeah. really tells you how to do it. That's why Ken wrote his book, Dream Job Discovery. Frustrated with the conventional passion discovery methods were fruitless to him. Ken spent 16 years researching, developing, and testing a better way. The result was the invention of the dream job type indicator, DJTI. It's the only professional online career assessment specifically designed to identify the type of work you naturally feel passionate about doing. You developed this yourself, Ken? I did. I did. It took it. It, did. it was 16 years in development, and uh, right. it, it's uh, it's a very original approach. No one's ever no one no one has ever hmm. approached it this way before. Wow. I mean, there are like career assessment things that they're out there, but you'll tell us more about that. And finally, uh, in August of 2021. Ken published his dream book, or his book, Dream Job Discovery, How to Find a Job That Fuels Your Passion and Inspires Your Purpose, even if you don't know your passion or purpose, in parentheses. It's available almost everywhere books are sold online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and Apple Books. Well, let's congratulate you on the book, first of all. I've written a book. It's a labor of love sometimes. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it's pleasurable. But it's work and it's effort. If you haven't written a book, first of all, or if you haven't done a course, you should get with me because that's what I coach people to do, audience. But Ken, this book is about 200 pages. Am I off a little bit? Yeah, 220, something like that. I got to tell you, I've had a lot of people on who are authors. 
and this is really an audio only thing. I'm holding the book up here, folks. This book is one of these books where you could pretty much, I don't know if this is how you intended it, Ken. You could almost go up into any page, almost randomly. Like, I'm just going to, all right, I'm on page 73. Recognize when your values change. That's great advice because what might be, I'm going to take a stab here. What might be a great job for me when I'm 25 may not fit my uh, mojo, for lack of a better way to say it, when I'm 45 or even 30, right? So this is something you may want to reevaluate. So, okay, <laughs> uh, let me kind of summarize and you, I want you to tell the story on your own. You're working, you probably have pretty good gigs, 4,500. I mean, they're not, you know, you're not scraping, but you are unhappy. And you say, oh, maybe if I get this other job, I'll be more happy. If I make more money, I'll be more happy. Finally, you just pulled the plug. And now you are an entrepreneur, a coach, helping people kind of get out of the rut that you were in, correct? Yeah, that's, that's why the do you, mission. Why do you think this is such a pervasive problem? Let's start with that. Is there a percent, like, can you quote a study or maybe even something just anecdotal? Like, what percent of people in the workforce, and, and maybe it's different in the U.S. and Canada worldwide, but what percent would you say? Are, are at least borderline unhappy to miserable. Well, well, Stephen. First of all, Gallup does a regular study. Um, it's it's called their uh, their employee engagement study. They run it worldwide in more than 150 countries around the world, and are it consistently serious? shows that on average, 85 percent of the workers are not emotionally engaged with the work they do. In other words, they have no passion for the work that they do. Okay, now it's 85 percent is a lot. The best case scenario is in North America, where it's 70% of the workers are not passionately engaged. Now, I'm not saying that everybody in that group of 70 hates their job, all right? More than, I would say about 60% of them are actually quite indifferent about it. They just say, you know what? I, I have to go to work. I have to have to earn a paycheck. I don't really eat. like it, but I don't yeah, really dislike it. Table, right? Yeah, it's fine, right? But but the remaining part of that group, they're the people that wake up in the morning, they look in the mirror and they say to themselves, shouldn't there be more to life than this? Shouldn't I be enjoying my life now instead of waiting for retirement to have a good time? And those mm -hmm. are the people I want to help get unstuck from their feelings of stress and misery that they have now in a job that they don't enjoy and help them find a job where they can feel passionate and purpose-driven instead. If someone is, this this resonates with someone. And, and <clears throat> by the way, let's say you're a college kid and you're listening to this and you haven't even gotten to the workforce yet. <laughs> we don't want to scare you. <laughs> there are jobs that are actually things that people really latch onto and enjoy and feel fulfilled in. The trick is finding it and merging your skill set with you, what drives you, maybe emotionally, maybe uh, mentally, maybe spiritually, maybe um, philanthropically. I mean, there's a lot of things at play here. Ken, does this apply just as well, since I'm kind of thinking this, to somebody who <coughs> doesn't even have a job yet versus somebody who maybe need to go into transition? Yeah, oh, Stephen, it's, it's, it would be, my, my goal would be if every kid in high school was to be given this assessment so they could immediately figure out what it is they'd feel passionate about doing, they could avoid potentially spending dollars $100,000 on a university education that might all be something that is gone to waste. And, and then they say to themselves, like, for example, I work with, with doctors. Doctors have spent so much time and money on their education. And when they finally get through the whole thing and realize they do not like being a doctor, they have no passion for it. They actually feel stressed and miserable by doing that job. But they've spent so much time and money, they just stick it out because it's like a sunk cost to them. Right. So if I can help people before they even make that university education decision 
pick the right career path, it's just going to be so much better for everybody. So what's, um, if this is resonating with somebody, whether they're unemployed, unhappily employed, medium, unhappily employed, what's the first step? The first step is, I guess, connecting with somebody like yourself and then taking this assessment, right? This DG, let me make sure I get it right. Uh, DJTI, right? Yep. DJTI. Um, Think of, think of the DJTI, like you've probably heard of the Myers-Briggs type right, indicator, Myers right? Myers-Briggs, I have heard of it. Yeah, so Myers-Briggs, it measures your personality type. What the DJTI does is it measures your dream job type, okay? It's your job passion workflow. That's basically what it's measuring. So, yes, this the starting point, and this has been the missing piece to the puzzle. You've always been able to take a personality test or behavioral traits test like DISC, and you've been able to take... You know, lift and strengths to, to figure out what your natural talents are. They just measure th things that will, that you, there's, there's skills that you can leverage to make sure that you'll perform well in the job. But the missing piece is, do you enjoy those skills? Do you enjoy using those skills? And so that's why I developed that assessment. And to me, that's the starting point. Let's figure out what you feel naturally passionate about doing. Then let's figure out what skills you would need in order to do that workflow process well, and therefore be able to get promotions and pay raises and advance your career. So there may be some re-education or some new training involved because you may need not, you can't, you know, go be a lawyer without going to law school, for example. Like you may decide that your passion, you can't just walk in and be a lawyer. Um, it, it, is this something that you have found? Well, well uh, let me back up. Book came out about six, seven months ago, right? How, right. How's that been received? I mean, give us some kind of, you got any case studies? Somebody got my book and, you know, they always wanted to be an astronaut. Now they're an astronaut. You have any, any <laughs> it good takes stories longer like than that? six months to become an astronaut. Well, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Training's I, involved. I, I know. I'm, I know I'm minimizing <laughs> the effort, but I'm just saying. Give us some stories of how your survey, your assessment, and now your book and your work have helped people. Do you have any case studies you can share? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll actually just, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a kind of a, a quick summary from someone I spoke to uh, a week ago who mm -hmm. bought the book, started going through the book, got to chapter three. That's where I have you take the assessment. Once you get to chapter three, I have you go online mm -hmm. and take the assessment. It's on page 40, by the way, in the book, folks. There, there you go. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> took the assessment and then we got on a Zoom call and, and, and started talking. And she, she was actually trying to verify that she was in the right career, right? And, and she, she loved taking personality tests and, and, and things like DISC and Clifton Strengths, that type of thing. Had never taken this because it obviously was never available before to measure, to measure passion. It, 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 it perfectly identified for her that she was in the right job. Her job passion type, her dream job type was organizing and coordinating. Okay. Her passion and what she built her entire business around was event planning. It was the perfect fit, right? So it's just, it just goes to show you that, that people are not only using it to figure out whether or not you know, what they should be doing to make them happy, they're actually taking it to make sure they're, they're in the right career to begin with before they start to grow and expand their business even further. Okay, so that makes sense. So she had started a business was trying to decide if it was worth investing more in or, or investing her own energy in. Um, why is the, your whole career so important to people? 
I mean, I could answer this, but I want to hear what you say. Why is finding a job that somebody really loves or feels passionate about so important? Why is that so important to somebody's happiness or their self-worth or just their image or whatever terminology you want to use? There are a couple ways to answer this. Um, the The first is my personal belief that the single most important thing that anyone can do to ensure lasting happiness in their life is to find a job they love. And I know that sounds like a really bold statement, but when you think about it, there's 24 hours in the day, eight hours of those we're supposed to be sleeping, so that leaves 16 hours. We work at least eight out of those 16, which means half of our waking time is spent at work. Now, when you think about it, if if you're not happy at work, you're missing out on 50% of your chances to be happy in life. Okay, and it gets it gets worse because the longer you remain unhappy at work, it starts to affect your performance. Sooner or later, that decline in your performance is going to get noticed by your bosses. That could could mean that you're going to miss out on pay raises and promotions. Even worse, and and, and you've probably seen this happen. Some people get fired because their performance starts to decline to that point. Okay? Mm-hmm. All of that creates a lot of stress. We know that stress creates serious health conditions, okay? It, it's, it's, it, it's related to heart disease, diabetes, okay? Mental conditions like depression, okay? For some, pe- for some people, it leads to alcohol and drug uh, uh, substance abuse. So, so again, like, it affects your health. And then, then all that stress and all that unhappiness from work, you bring home with you eventually. You can't leave it at the doorstep at work. You bring it home with you and it starts to create mm-hmm. tension with your family and, and your friends. And you're just not fun to be around anymore. So you can see how being unhappy at work quickly kind of infiltrates the rest of your life, makes it, un- makes it impossible for you to be happy for the rest of your life too. So the solution is find a job that makes you happy and the rest of your life can be happy too. Now, the other thing that's really, really important okay. is that Keep going. when you find a job that makes you happy, why it's so important is there'll be joy, meaning, and fulfillment from your job. There'll be joy, meaning, and fulfillment because it's the kind of job that you'll be happy to jump out of bed and go and do in the morning. You'll be so enthused and energized by doing it, all right? And, and it, will, it will give you a sense of purpose. There will, be, there will be meaning to your work. I mean, and that's what gives you the f- sense of fulfillment, right? If it was, it, I, some of these things are a little scary for people, right? I'm going I'm to assume that. Like, it's not easy to say, you know what, I went to college to train to do a certain job. I've been here nine years. I'm just not feeling it anymore. And it's probably not an easy thing to face that because now it's like, oh, I waste all this time. You know, So um, I think that takes a certain amount of courage for somebody to, to engage that even sort of possibility, like any sort of personal kind of therapy would in a sense. Um, what, what do you think, uh, is there, what's a timeline here? I mean, from the point somebody, let's say, creates an awareness that they need to explore other possibilities, they take the survey, they consult, they do it. What's the timeline typically that would be a fair amount that somebody might expect they're going to have to invest before they see a noticeable change? And I'm sure it varies, but it's not going to be an hour, right? It's not going to be an hour. And in fact, it it sometimes takes a lot less than people think. So for example, let's let's take for example, you have a degree already, let's say, all right? In some cases, you won't need to, to go back 
to college or university and get a totally new degree, you can just take a couple of years to kind of upgrade the degree you've already got. So it might take two years of formal education for something. For example, if you want to be a social worker, you need a special, you need a special degree. I think it's called bachelor of social work or something like that. I'm just doing that by memory right now. Okay. So you would have to upgrade, but it would only take you two years to upgrade that degree. And in the meantime, it's not just that you ensure you're studying, but in the meantime, you're still, you're still earning a paycheck from where you're working now. You're getting that degree by, by studying online at night or, or by doing night classes or whatever. You, you, there's no risk to your financial security. So there's it's, a transition. Period. Yeah, it's a transition period. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you can start to, to, to even work in, in situations where you might be able to shadow people that are already doing that job. So you can get some, some hands-on experience and, and get to experience the joy of what it's really going to feel like doing that job. But, but all this happens in a very secure environment because you're still at your current job, still earning an income. But the thing is that you're, you're much more mentally equipped to handle the two years it might take, or four years if you actually need a four-year degree, okay? Or for example, if you go into the skilled trades, let's say I know people who have left professional jobs to go work in the skilled trades because they find that so much more enjoyable and they go into an apprenticeship program. They get the paid from day one. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they get paid from day one. There is, there is no transition period, really. They get paid mm. to learn, right? So it, it, vary, it does vary, but the point is it, People think that, oh my God, this is going to be such a risk to my financial security and everything. What if it doesn't work? You're not taking any chances. You're studying and getting all this extra, you know, mm -hmm. upgrade of knowledge that you need to move into to a new job or career while you're still earning an income somewhere else. There is no risk. Hey, Steve Green here. This is the Make the Grade podcast. We're all about giving you actions and strategies and tips to accelerate your journey of success. My guest today, Ken Stephen. Ken has written a book, and as we learned too, a survey called Dream Job Discovery. We're talking about strategies to maybe pivot your uh, career choice. Ken, question for you. Do you differentiate or does it matter whether somebody, say, goes from a, a career that they're less than satisfied in into another job or versus, let's say, an entrepreneurial type situation or, or even like a franchise, which is kind of in between, right? It, does it really matter? Because it's really all about the happiness and the passion. Am I oversimplifying it? What's your take on this? No, you're, you're, you're bang on, Stephen. It's all about happiness, right? So, so it's all about aligning your dream job type, which is your job passion workflow type. And, and when I'm talking about that, just let me give your listeners just an idea of what I'm talking about. When I say a, a, job, a job passion type, which I, which I call in the book dream job types, and, I, and, and in our survey results, we report them as dream job types. A job passion theme would be something like analyzing or calculating, organizing or coordinating, persuading, storytelling, okay, evaluating or judging. Those are workflow processes. Okay, so what you would do is if you were thinking of being an entrepreneur, you would want to pick a business that's in line with your top three dream job types. And the idea is that there are 21 dream job types in total. We report your top three. The goal would be to have you in a job where you would have to use your top three workflow processes at least 80% of the time. So, uh, you know, it could be 40% for one, 20 for another, 20 for another. Okay. And that leaves 20 of doing things that you not necessarily really uh, crazy Everybody's going to have that. I mean, it's going to happen, I doubt right? you're going to get an idealized situation where you never do anything exactly. you don't like. So we're going to have to live with that to some degree. 
Exactly. But if you can get yourself into a job where you can use that workflow process that you love, or the or top mm -hmm. three that you love, I'll give you a classic example. I use this example in the book. Michelle, for example, who wanted to be a fashion designer, right? She had identified mm -hmm. that her dream job type was designing and, uh, and, and perfect. She thought fashion design is what she wanted to do. So she said, this is going to be great. She had two choices. She could either go work for a company as a designer. And in that case, she'd be doing design work 80% of the day, right? Not a problem. She could feel happy doing that job. But if she decided what she did want to do, she wanted to set up her own business and start her own label as a fashion designer. Okay. In that case, my advice to her was make sure that when you start the business, remember your dream job type is designing. Mm -hmm. So set the business up so that in the short term, I mean, you can't afford to hire people while you're building your business, but hire freelancers to do all of those things that you don't like doing, like the organizing and coordinating, all the admin stuff, right? The right. finance yes. stuff, marketing, the, right. the marketing stuff, the sales stuff, right? Hire other people to do that for you on a freelance basis until, you, and that leaves you 20% of the time to supervise them. And they're presumably doing what they love doing. So that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you concentrate on your 80% of designing to get your label up to where you want it to be. And then when you're big enough that you can afford to build a staff, have them all take the dream job type indicator to identify what they're Make you know, sure you have happy, passionate. Employees. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're a marketing guy, improving and perfecting is going to be your passion theme, right? So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Let me, let me flip it to the other side because you're not going to have a job without an employer, right? Uh, generally speaking, I would assume that employers would like happy employees, but maybe they, you know what, if they're not so happy, they're getting paid. I mean, is, is how important is the environment is kind of what I'm saying. Like, let's say this, let's use your designer example. She got, she gets trained up. She's sought after. She got four different places she could work. Let's just say now she may almost go and interview them. Hey, I, I like the other people here. I like the physical space here. I like the flexibility. Maybe she's got a kid and she needs like, you know, leave at three in the afternoon or whatever, because a lot of places are doing this to accommodate people. Right. Um, so the low, I don't know what we're working use here. Your sort of environment. I'm going to just use the environment for everything. It's actually where you physically have to work. So you're not working at home. How much does that play into this? The, the big thing is culture fit. Culture okay. fit. There you go. That's a good way to put okay. it. Culture fit. Like and culture like fit is defined by values. Okay. Now the dream job type indicator measures values. That's how it works, right? So we report in your report, we, we break your values down into your core values, your supporting values, sanctioning values, and character values. They all have a different role. And the thing is that you can, once you find out from the assessment, what your values are, then you would, if you had a choice of four different employers, you would look for the environment, the corporate culture that's defined by the values that are closest to your values. So it's a similar search, but now you're doing it sort of in terms of the logistics and the realities of, of what's going on in that place. Yeah. For example, yeah, I mean, for example, if you, if sustainability was one of your, you know, your values, Okay. You would not want to go to a company that's polluting the environment or right, depleting right. forests and, or stuff like that through their manufacturing or, 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 or process. You know, you know what? I hear people say this. I mean, even friends of mine, of ours, my wife and I, um, love my job, hate my boss. Love my job. My coworkers are a bunch of idiots or 
yeah, whatever, you know, you can't get any good help, you know, they're higher and whatever. So they're, they're not like unhappy individually, but they're not overly happy in the sort of collective, I guess, to use what you said, culture fit. Um, I'm not sure if that would be strong enough to jump to maybe just go to another culture that's better. People do that as well. Um, let's talk about the book for a second. Do you have a favorite chapter or anything? I, I always ask people this when they have a book. Is there something about this that you really thought was like you know, a, a big epiphany, even writing? Because sometimes when you write a book, it's like, well, I didn't really even realize that was going to be so important or whatever. But, but is there something in this book that you really want to just highlight in, in, in a minute or two? Yeah, it's you know, about I, 10 chapters. Yeah, you know, I, think, I think the chapter that, that sticks out the most with, for me, I believe it's chapter two. It's the chapter where I... I <laughs> It's the chapter where I basically talk about. So let's frame this for a second. Chapter one, there's an introduction. Chapter one is entitled, What's the Problem? The Forces That Sabotage Your Job Satisfaction. Chapter two, What's the Solution? So this is classic sales, right? We got a problem, we got to solve it. Chapter three is, What's Your Dream Job? Chapter four is, What Are Your Truths? Which I assume is your values. Chapter five, What Is Your Type? Chapter six, What Are Your Traits? Seven, how do you transition? Eight, putting it all together. Nine, overcoming obstacles. And 10, what's next? Cultivating joy in the new dream job. So two would be what's the solution, right? Yeah, I think that uh, <laughs> the big epiphany for me, you know, this, this whole start of the whole dream job journey for me, trying to figure out what my dream job was, was when I was 34 years old. I was stuck in a job that I absolutely hated. There was no reason I should have hated that job. I was a vice president at Global Corporation, had a great paycheck, I had a company car, I had an expense account. People would have loved to have my job, yet I, I hated my job, right? And, and what I figured out is that, and this is the epiphany, and I think this is why it's my favorite chapter. The epiphany was, hey, you know what? It, it, it wasn't that I hated my job. It wasn't that I had toxic coworkers. It, 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 it wasn't any of those reasons that are, are you know, you, you mentioned some of those. So some of those reasons that people usually don't like their job, right? It had nothing to do with that. It was, it was that the skills upon which I had built my entire career success so far are skills that I was good at doing but didn't enjoy doing, hmm. okay? And so, so I kept getting promoted because I was good at these things. And then, and then I had to use more of those skills as I moved further up the line. And that gets to a point where when 80% of the job is doing stuff you're really good at, but you don't enjoy, you're obviously not gonna have fun in the job, right? And so I talk about it in that chapter, it's the job dissatisfaction sequence. And, and it, it really is that issue of, you know, you, you come out of college, you get that first job, your bosses put you to, to do certain tasks, they notice what you're really, really good at doing, Okay, and then they promote you based on that. Okay, and then you get into positions of higher responsibility, maybe you even have to train people to, to use those skills. And then you start to feel not so happy, you can't really put your finger on it. You're thinking, well, maybe a change in company will do the trick. So what do you do? You leverage the skills that you got really good at doing in the first job to go get yourself a job somewhere else. Doing the same thing though. Yeah, now you're running on a hamster <laughs> wheel, right? Yeah, right, right, right. So that's why that's my favorite chapter, because I, I think that's an epiphany. It's just like all the typical reasons that you hear people say that, oh, I hate my job. It's my, you know, it's my boss. It's the, you know, it's, it's like they don't give me enough credit. It's not challenging enough. It's not what some of those are valid reasons. Sometimes they are. Mm -hmm. OK, but if you've been hopping from job to job and you still haven't found happiness, it may not be because of those other things. It may be because you're leveraging skills that you don't enjoy.
What would you say to someone who said, if somebody looked at your resume and saw that oh, you're at this job a year, this year, two years, this job, three years, this job, two years, you're not employable as well because you're changing too much. Is that a risk? I mean, I guess it is a little bit, right? Maybe a lot bit. Um, but you're chasing your own dream. You're not worrying about what the employer's dream is, right? But, you know, the old school, like classical thinking was, you get one place, you stay there, that shows stability. You're six, I don't know what the magic number is, two years, three years. It shows stability. So they used to tell people, maybe they still do, I'm not a career counselor, um, stay at a job for three years. Even if you hate it, you're miserable, blah, 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 blah. Because if somebody sees you at a job a year and a half, they're going to think that you're not stable or whatever words you want to throw in there. But is there any opinion you have about that? Yeah, I totally have an opinion on that. Like you're right. Old school was, I mean, certainly when, when I first went into the workforce, you know, and, and, you know, my parents and everything else. It was like, it was like no, 2008. No. Ken, Ken's like 35. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when Ken entered the workforce, <laughs> no, but, but, but for those who remember, it was a different culture nationally, maybe in the eighties, seventies, eighties of this, um, you know, stability, like employees wanted to see track record, right? Whether you're a good, bad, or in between, that that was important to them, it, it seemed. It probably yeah. was. Maybe now that's loosened up because it's so easy to to find out about other jobs and things like that. But um I think I think it's a good rule of thumb to to to, to answer your question. Okay. Employers are typically looking for two years. Two years. Okay. 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 However, having said that, that doesn't mean that you, if you get into a job and six months later, you realize you've made a terrible mistake and you're not happy, you should not wait the other 18 months, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can use the rationale for why you left to land yourself the dream job somewhere else. So you can in other words, interview somewhere in the, else and say, I in, needed to be more passionate. I needed to exactly. do these things and work on these strengths. I didn't want to be a manager. I didn't want to be a, a paper pusher. No, exactly. So imagine if, if, if you're, if, if any of your listeners right now are in that situation, they've been in the job for six months, eight months, they're saying, I'm not happy. But the problem is, I don't know what would make me happy, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's where the assessment comes in. You take the assessment, then you'll know what will make you happy. You'll know exactly what you should be looking for in the next job. And then when you go to interview for that job, you can tell them, hey, I wasn't happy. I've discovered in the meantime what does make me happy. I've studied your company. You and I are a good fit. Mm, like it. Hey, let's let's answer an important question. How would one get a copy of your book? Well, well, you know. Thank you. The book is available anywhere books are sold online, including Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, and Apple Books. It really is available almost anywhere books are sold online, um, it, so it can be ordered easily online. And uh, and the assessment can be uh, can be found on on my website, dreamjobdiscovery.com. Dreamjobdiscovery.com. Um, is there anything you want to offer people listening to this? Is there any, it doesn't, you don't have to, I mean, is there like a consulting thing you, you, you offer or is there something that, you know, so people can get to know you better, know your process better? The, uh, I, I think the, the thing that, for example, if they, if you checked out my LinkedIn profile, you'll see that, that I have Monday to Friday, I, I constantly post something that, that is in, I'm in relation. That. Ken is very, uh, prolific that way. <laughs> yeah, but that in a good way because some people put a bunch of junk up there. You don't know what they're talking about. But go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, but but people could people could definitely uh, get a get a feeling for for what it is I talk about by checking out my LinkedIn profile and reading my posts every day. Mm -hmm. 
You can also go to the uh, to the Rich Code Club and and read my profile there. I do regular postings there. Maybe that's a link we can post in the in the yes, we can. Uh, in the show notes. Which which book are you in the? What book are you in, Ken? I'm in the book. This the next book that's to be published. Uh, the Seven one that's coming out this month is 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 not that one, but it's the one that's so you're, you're going to be at the end eight. of May. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, folks, I'm in number seven. Ken and I are in the same book series, but I'm in, <laughs> he's in the one after me. That's not that's not a big deal. It's just how it happened. Um. All right. Hey, this is Steve Green. This is the Make the Great Podcast. My guest, Ken Stephen. His book, Dream Job Discovery. He's also got a survey you can do. What's the basic goal here, Ken? Can you sum it up in one sentence? Yeah, the basic goal is that, that, it, that literally I want to help a million people find a job that can make them feel passionate and purpose-driven. And, and the message would be that if everybody who knew somebody that was in a job they didn't like got them to read the book and they told two friends and they told two friends and they told two friends, in less than 30 days, we would have reached a million people. So it is not an impossible goal, but I need to start a movement and I really, I really encourage people who want to make the world a happier place to work to join my movement to tell two friends. So it's not much of an ask, right? You're going to talk to <laughs> two people friends. anyway. Now, listen, I appreciate your goal because it's big. And because it's big, it's going to take some effort. But imagine, even if you came up short and only did 20% of that. I mean, imagine the, the collective difference that that would make mm. that, would, that would make me very happy so listen uh ken steven say your website again please ken yeah it's dreamjobdiscovery.com same as the book title okay and you can get uh oh same as the book title. sometimes it's right in front of me <laughs> ken you want to play everybody's favorite make the right podcast game what's that it's called the fave five yeah all right here's what we're gonna do Okay. This, this is a little human interest stuff. If you can, we can just relax and take a break. Okay. Hey, Ken was an awesome guest, man. There was, Ken brought a ton of value. I'm telling you, I think every guest I have does a really nice job, but this is really important stuff. Whether you're a parent and you're concerned about your own career or your children's careers or your friends, because one of the things you said, I want to underscore one thing you said, Un, unhappiness, that's a word, right? Lack of mm -hmm. happiness in the workplace. Eventually, 100% of the time, you bring it home. It's impossible not to, because you go to work and you get all bummed out and you're driving home or whatever you're doing and you're just you know, miserable and then you come home and you, you need a drink or something. And then it just you just dump it on the people that you don't really want to burden with it, but you got nobody else to talk to. And it just, it just, it's just unhappiness. But the question people say is, I'm I don't know what to do. I know I'm unhappy. It's, it's almost like being in a, like an abusive relationship. And I don't want, certainly do not want to make light of that. But a lot of people get in these relationships and they don't know how to get out of them. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to get help. And it's it's kind of sort of parallel that in the sense of how to get your mindset to be able to <clears throat> be strong enough to make that change. That's what Ken's job is, man. He's unbelievable. You like your job, Ken? I love <laughs> are, you passionate, are you passionate about helping people? I'm passionate about teaching people to be passionate. There you go. <laughs> you better be, man. <laughs> All right, listen. Fave five. I'm going to say something. You tell me your favorite thing sure. in this category. This is easy. I'm gonna, we're starting with an easy one. Color. Favorite color, Ken's favorite color. Uh, favorite color, blue. Blue, nice. Okay, I happen to have a blue pen. So I wrote that your favorite color was blue in blue. Very good. Incredible. Off to a good start. Food, what kind of food do you like? Uh, pasta. Pasta. 
any particular kind? Lasagna? Straight up spaghetti with yeah, the, the red sauce. Good. I'm a simple guy. But in Canada, they call it sauce or gravy? Sauce. Sauce. We're, we're talking about spaghetti sauce, right? Yeah, right, right. Well, oh, yeah, we're talking spaghetti. Oh, yeah, sauce. Absolutely. Oh, but believe me, I live in Philadelphia, man. And in New York, they call it gravy. No way. Yeah, yes, why? I did not know that. You go to an Italian restaurant in South Philly and you say, I want tomato sauce? Whoa, 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 whoa. You take out back with Tony. <laughs> 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 kind of joking, but yeah, they call it gravy. Yeah. Place to vacation. Ah, Assuming you get to vacation. vacation. Or where mm. you've been. Been or want to go. Ah, you know, I actually, the place I want to go, mm-hmm. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. A lot of people say like places like that because, um, you know, it kind of, it kind of is a cachet, like it's sort of echo friendly and it's beautiful and there's rainforests and the weather's pretty nice. You've never been there though. No, I was supposed to go in February, but the whole COVID thing had to cancel the trip. Yeah, tell so. me, tell me about it. I got, I'm, I'm supposed to go to Galapagos in a week. Perfect. Third try. Third try. Let's go two years ago, one year ago, and it may be in a week. So hopefully it's going to happen. Music. Ah, uh, music. music. You know, I, I love all kinds of music, but my favorite, if I had to only listen to one thing, it would probably be Mozart. Mozart. Who's your favorite Canadian artist? Canadian, what, music artist? Yeah, who's your favorite Canadian Give a little, give a little c- c- national pride here. We're talking music or like just favorite? Yeah, no, no, no. Like musician, like you like you like a rock guy, like Rush or like Neil Young or. Um, um, see, so you're putting me on the spot here. Um, Guess who? Guess who? We're Canadian. Actually, you know what? I, I, I I'm going way back there. I'm going way back. If we're if we're if we're going if we're going if we're going way back, you can write the guess who. That would be good, right? Because that that yes, that, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, that would be good. That would be Burton good. Cummings. Burton Cummings. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Randy, Randy Bachman. Randy, Randy Bachman. Bachman, yeah, right? Bachman turned yeah. over. Trump. We are going back here. We are going very, yeah, very far yeah, back. It's here. nostalgia. We got a little nostalgia. Yeah, Canadian. It's a city. You know, and the other guy too. The other guy too is it? You know, Gordon Lightfoot. He had he had some yeah, some yeah, interesting Gordon little Lightfoot. ditties. Yeah, some, some interesting little ditties. He did. Edmund Fitzgerald. Edmund Fitzgerald. That's the one. Like, yeah, uh, can't get that tune out of your head mind. once you start singing it. You could read my. There you go. What's the other one I like? Sundown. Oh yeah, Sundown. Yeah, right. Canadian Railroad Trilogy. Yeah, I think you and I, you you and I are, are I yeah, we're we're both of us must be thirty five. Yeah, right? Hey, we gotta tell you, man. So my parents, I listen to my parents when they. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, is fun, huh? Um, okay, Mozart though. Yes, Biggie. Uh, last one, bucket list. I, and actually, we had, say- to, we had to do. We're getting we're getting back to the contemporary stuff. Okay, if if I couldn't mm-hmm. listen to Mozart, I'd listen to Neil Diamond all day. Neil Diamond. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so okay. we're, we're since we're going back, since we're going back, since yeah. So I got to ask you, what's your favorite Neil Diamond song? Oh, see, there's there's too many. There's too many. He, he you had. Know what I like? Many. I'll give you one. I am. I said. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I see. I am. I said. That's perfect. Um, Actually, you know uh, what? Let me let me let me let me uh, pontificate slightly. That song. Anybody who knows that song? It's really exactly about what your book's about. It's about a person trying to discover their meaning in life. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, when I was in college, Neil Young played at my school. And the before the concert, he gave like a, I hate to use the term lecture, but it basically was like he got up in front of a class and, and you, it was like a lottery to get in. Now he wasn't like super big. He kind of like gotten famous, sort of faded, and then kind of had like a, another bump in his career later. 
Um, but this was sort of in between. So he was touring like colleges in the United States. And he basically did a workshop on it and what inspired him to write songs, which, which fascinated me because I was a musician. I mean, I still play music, but I wasn't, I'm not you know, famous like Neil Young. But anyway, so he went into like five or six of his songs and really broke down. Oh, wow. Like, and, and, and he's like, let me, and he started, that was the last one he did. And he's like, who's heard of this song? And, and you got to be kind of more of like a Neil Young or Neil, Young, Neil Diamond fan. That's not his most, you know, it was like a big FM hit kind of song. But that song is, is about, if you want to listen to it again, listen to the words. It's about finding what you, your perceived meaning in life. Yeah, very, I, I never really, yeah, I never thought of, I never thought of the connection to the book, but you're right. You. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't either until right now. Yeah. Incredible. I am, yeah. I said to no one there. And no one heard a word at all, even at the chair. So you're like, there you oh, go. scared. Um, what's your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast? Um, oh, there's so many. Actually, I think your podcast is yes. amazing, Stephen. Yes. <laughs> and you do your own podcast? So far, it's my favorite podcast. There we go. That's, all, that's it. I'll take that answer. Hey, Ken, Stephen, thank you for spending some time with me and the Make the Great audience. This book, I'm telling you. If you got anything, I mean, it's, I, I think this really could be extended beyond just jobs. This could be extended into just life purpose. <laughs> a lot of value in here. And it uh, looks like, what? how much is this book, Ken? Can you, you want to say? Yeah, the uh, paperback, $16.99. You can get the uh, the digital version, that uh, you know, Kindle version for $7.49. So listen, if you can't invest, I'm going to I'm gonna say this because Ken probably won't. If you can't invest 17 bucks plus shipping, so $20, for something that could really seriously positively change your life. I mean, you know, think about it. And I, then, I mean, Ken, can they get an autograph like my copy? Maybe. I'm special. <laughs> and anything I left out you want to talk about for 30 seconds before we wrap this up? No, Stephen, I just want to, again, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. And uh, I, I really appreciate your support in uh, helping me create a movement to make the world a happier place to work. There we go. For it all comes down to, and I, you know what, if anybody can do it, it's you actually get with me after I got a few people I want to introduce you to. I, I think I, I, I got, uh, I want to do a little networking and kind of get you out there, help you out. Hey, Steve Green, Ken Stevens, Ken Steven. Love it, man. Ken Steven, Stephen Green. Yes. Uh, make the great podcast. This is all about giving you the listeners strategies, tools, ideas, motivation to get you accelerated on your journey success career that's big this is macro stuff right this isn't like just taking a little quiz and math on a friday this is big stuff and it, one thing ken pointed out we didn't get as deep into it is you the earlier you start thinking about this can't correct me if I'm wrong the earlier you start thinking about this the better you don't want to invest four years six years whatever and a lot of cabbage going to school for something you're going to hate two years later mm. and it happens unfortunately hey i got some great guests coming up if you want to be a guest on this podcast just reach out to me i am scheduling right now well, I don't know when you're listening to this, but uh, in the May and June and July of 2022. Um, but hey, just let, reach out. Let me know if you got something important to say. I would love to hear it. Um, that's about it. And the only way I don't ask for anything for this, the way you can thank me is share this. The more people that listen to the advice and the wisdom and the sagacious things that people like Ken are saying, the better. So I just ask people share this. Let other people hear this. If it mo if it helps one person let alone a million that makes me happy so we are going to roll this out here ken here i'll play a little of my music there we go yeah so we will see y'all next week or next time or next year or next month make the great podcast thanks again 
and have a great week. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.